Harvell. She is the founder of a company called Nodat. So welcome to the show today, Erica. Thank you for having me. It is totally my pleasure. And I'm so excited to dig into your business because this is a business that I think there's a lot of our listeners are going to be very interested in learning more about because there's so much shifting going on in the landscape mm-hmm. of trying to, you know, get in front of your ideal customers and so on. And your business actually will help them do that. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, what are three things in your opinion that every small business owner needs to know? Ah, three things every small business owner needs to know. I would say that, uh, the value proposition, um, how to communicate their value proposition, um, uh, articulated to the way that a user or a customer automatically knows the benefit that you provide to them. Yep. Um, I would say financial literacy, mm-hmm. understanding your, your numbers and how you actually, how much money you're spending to make money. Um, and I would say how to build relationships, how to go outside of what's comfortable to you and build relationships to help your company grow. So what kind of relationships are you talking about? Relationships with like other partner organizations mm-hmm. or is that what you're thinking? Yes. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. And I, I want to go back to that financial literacy one because that's uh, such an important one. And it's so funny I, when you said that. An example popped into my mind as to one of our clients in the past, we were doing a, um, a, a marketing campaign for them that involved a bunch of different uh, advertising, split testing and stuff, right? And so we were testing uh, different kinds of messages and different markets across, well, it was actually a global campaign. And one of the things that we discovered as we were doing it is uh, we we found like kind of like the holy grail in terms of the match of the audience with the messaging and our ROAS or return on ad spend was was just off the charts for every dollar that they were spending in advertising they were making ten dollars back in products so we had a 10 times uh, return on that and the profitability of the product was really high and so they were making really good profit off of every dollar that they were investing and so it was so funny because I was explaining this to them and I was telling them that, you know, now would be the time to, you know, invest a lot more money into this particular tactic. Uh, and they flat out said, said, no, we're not going to do that. And instead they reverted back to tactics that were much less profitable. And I couldn't oh, understand wow. what the heck they were doing because it just did not make any sense at all. They were actually you know, leaving all this extra money on the table, so to speak. And so uh, financial literacy in all forms is really important for businesses to understand. Yeah, I I agree. Wow. I wish they would have taken your advice. But what I noticed with a lot of small businesses is that they are afraid to spend money on marketing because they're more so worried about being able to have the money to uh, re-up on their product. Um, You know, so... Yeah. Yeah. In this case, I think at the heart of it was they were really debating whether or not they wanted to do a a direct to consumer model or if they wanted to do uh, and maintain their, um, you know, through agents and through distributors and and retailers, uh, that model. And so they were really debating as to which to go. 
And so they wanted to do all this testing. We tested it out, proved that we could go direct and make make them extremely profitable. Um, but they backed away from it in fear of the repercussions, I think was at the end of the day, which I still uh... think was a mistake because there's so many businesses out there that are able to do both, sell from their website as well as sell through uh, distribution channels. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the fear of pissing off the distribution channel is misplaced nowadays because most manufacturers are doing it already anyway. So they're oh, used okay. to it. But yeah. yeah, anyway, everybody has their own path that they have to follow. Uh, so speaking of which, let's talk about your path specifically with Nodad. So when did this idea come about? And well, first off, I guess, let's tell the audience what Nodad is and what problem you're trying to solve. Sure. So Nodad is a app that uses artificial intelligence, um, machine learning, natural, natural language processing to personalize the local search um, experience for you. Um, and the problem that we're trying to solve is inefficient and irrelevant search results that are time consuming um, in helping you find information in any local area that is important to you. Yeah. And so now is this something that just came about on the coattails of all the AI talk that we're hearing about right now, uh, you know, with yeah. chat GPT and, and that kind of thing? No, we've been working on this for, um, we've been working on this specific model since 2020. Um, but we started working on NODA and solving the, uh, what we call the information gap problem in 2017. After my son came to me highly upset that I didn't get to take him to this water park that had opened in our area. And I realized, um, you know, that I was pretty upset myself and I couldn't figure out why or how I could live in the same area where this huge water park opened and go all summer and not know about it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's, it's really remarkable because, you know, I'm in the marketing business and uh, I would say that most consumers are just inundated with messages all the time, advertisements and so on. Right. So you kind of mm -hmm. get numb to that a little bit. And so it is really difficult to surface you know, if you're the business surface, your business and your offer in front of the consumer. And so um, I can I can relate to the frustration, but just from the other side of the fence, from a marketer trying to help other businesses, because there's just so much noise out there. So I'm not surprised mm -hmm. that you miss that. Um, and I feel bad for your for your son then. <laughs> As well. They've gotten the go now. <laughs> and I made sure I took videos and I was like, this is the water park that started know that. <laughs> yeah. And so, so basically that uh, idea of not knowing what was going on in your region or in your particular area, um, and that would be something of interest to you sparked this idea that, hey, there's probably a lot of businesses out there that are really struggling to get in mm -hmm. front of consumers. And there's a lot of consumers out there that are probably struggling to really understand or to identify the things that might be of greatest interest to them amongst all that noise then, right? Yes, absolutely. And one of the main things that I focused on was making sure that I got relevant information. Um, because mm -hmm. as you mentioned, there's a lot of noise. And so I do not I don't accept cookies on websites. And so I, I figured that the reason that I did not receive or see any of those ads 
um, anywhere online is because I had not shared, you know, access to my my private information when I'm searching online. Yeah. And um, so I, I thought to myself, well, how can I continue to uh, protect my privacy and, and choose who is allowed to advertise to me? So I started trying to figure out how to, you know, create something that would allow me to get that information from my family and friends without having to share data. Um, and so we started out with like with the video reviews yeah. um, in 2017 and then um, pivoted to this model here because data sharing data is important. Um, it allows, you know, my experience of learning about different things in my area to be that more, that much more efficient, especially when I travel um, as well. So I, we started focusing on first party data and uh, being transparent with the consumer and basically working with the user to protect their data and at the same time, um, helping them find the information that they need. Yeah. Can you, that, I guess, walk our audience through uh, first party versus third party data and this whole cookie-less world that we're about to embark on pretty soon? Because I think there's probably a lot of business owners who have maybe heard some of those terms before, but don't fully understand what they mean. Sure. So first party data is data that a, the consumer uh, voluntarily shares with the business, um, like your birthday, your first name, address, um, whether you have children, where you work, things like that. Um, it's information that you voluntarily give to the consumer. There are some uh, businesses out there right now that are switching to like QR codes and surveys. So if you take a survey, then you're volunteering to give that information to the business so that they can use that data to create products for you or messaging or um, just, you know, make business decisions. Yep. Third party data is data that is collected using uh, third party cookie tracking or data that is shared in between different companies. Um, for example, Facebook has um, third party tracking a third party um, data sharing with a lot of, of uh, organizations and they get a lot of their data from these companies so that they can target you for ads when you're on their platform. Yeah. Yeah. And so what everybody sees now when you go to visit a new website is that little alert that says, says we use cookies on this, on this website. Uh, please, you know, please accept these cookies or reject them. Or if you're going to be continuing to use this site, know that you are agreeing to be uh, tracked by these cookies. And so when somebody clears their cookies, then that information is is lost then. They can't track. But basically what the cookie does is it allows the person that placed the cookie there. Uh, so if you come over to Ample Media, our website, uh, then we can see what you're doing or we can collect some of that data uh, from the rest of your search behavior and so on. Um, and so then that is information then that allows us then to target you um, with ads when you're over looking at the weather network or the local sports uh, uh, scores or whatever the case might be. And so that's all going away here right away um, with the, I think it's 2024. Yeah. So we have less than a year, I think, and, and that will no longer be an option. And so 
we won't have as marketers and businesses the ability to kind of follow people around. And so how do we know, you know, what to position in front of whom in terms of our offers uh, that are going to make the most sense? So me knowing that you are a mother, uh, right, that lives in a particular region of a particular city, well, then I can uh, advertise then the businesses that are relevant potentially to mothers in that region. Without mm -hmm. the cookies and without first person data, I don't know that then. And so my marketing is a lot less targeted. You're solving mm -hmm. that though. So tell us how you're solving that. We're solving that by being, uh, well, one, leveraging AI and creating a AI local assistant chatbot that acts as the middleman um, between the consumer and the business. Um, and uh, it's basically a conduit for the data. Um, our AI collects first party data from the users who download our app to create their own uh, localized search recommendation um, experience. And then we store that data, protect that data and create uh, buyer personas. And then we then share those personas to our businesses on our uh, backend and allow them to target a specific type um, of consumer. Yeah. Um, that's, that's so cool. And I just love this because this is one of the biggest challenges that we as marketers are trying to figure out. How are we going to be able to target these people once the cookies are gone? And this is a brilliant solution that is not in the marketplace today. So I applaud you for coming up with this idea and, and really, you know, moving forward and creating something amongst the giants out there in terms of the companies that are kind of selling data and selling access to people's personas, right? So I uh, carry on. I just wanted to, to interject and just say good on you for doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you. Um, and yeah, and so it's, so it's funny that you mentioned, you know, amongst the giants, which has been something that we've had to keep an eye on and be really quiet um, as we grow. So if you see, we don't do a lot of noise and, and marketing um, as well about our processes, just simply because um, we don't want to, once we don't want to sound an alarm um, to them until we get a, a specific amount of the market. Yeah. Um, but um, the, what I was getting ready to say about the conduit is we're also helping the business facilitate their opt-ins and opt-outs. So that's going to be one of the biggest things when the, the third-party cookies go away is how is you know facilitating the opt-in um for your consume for your customer to be able to opt in to to share first party data with you and so what we have developed is a way to manage that on our platform so that the consumer can see who has access to their data control who has access to that data control who can use that information to directly connect with them on our on our platform yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would liken it a lot for our listeners here to it's almost like a, a dating app, app in the sense that if you're on a dating app, you want to fill in as much information, give as much about you into that so that you can match up to the right, you know, potential partner um, as possible. And so that's the first person or first party data that you are providing that dating app 
and you're, you're motivated to give them that information, that very private information, uh, because it's so useful for the end result, which is that mm-hmm. the right matching. And that's essentially what you guys are doing. And that's why I think you're going to be so successful with this is because inherently the consumer, the person who's downloaded the app, wants to receive the best recommendations for the businesses or for the activities or whatever within their area of that Mm -hmm. local search uh, as possible. And so there's just inherently uh, going to be uh, a reduction of that, you know, barrier to getting the data. And so then they're going to populate that. And then, but the biggest concern is control. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, I want to control that data. I want to, you know, maybe when I break up with said company, I want to turn that off so they don't have my data anymore. They can't access yeah. it. They don't can't target me. And you're giving that ability to for people to to, to break up. Yes, yeah. exactly. I love it. Okay. So in terms of the business then and your journey here, what has been uh you know, some of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome to get to the stage in which you're at right now, where you have a viable product, you're out there, you've got people who've downloaded the app and, and that user base is growing and you've got businesses that are wanting to offer things through the app and, and are subscribing now. The biggest thing was like, uh, we talked about earlier, you know, we're a double-sided uh, marketplace. And so we had to figure out, um, which side to focus on first. Um, So we decided to test both sides at the same time, Um, but we had to find the value to get the users onto the platform so that the business can um, engage and connect with them. And so that our uh, machine could start learning and collecting data and, and learning from that data. And so um, that was the biggest challenge. Um, it, It was, we tested a lot of things uh, before we got to product market fit on that. Um, and then I would say, uh, you know, raising capital. You know, I'm in the South and uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And most of these types of companies are built um, and born in the West Coast. And so it was really difficult at first to get people to believe that someone in the South <laughs> could you know start a company like this or grow a company like this and so being one of the first uh in Nashville to launch a marketing tech company was really difficult but we now we have you know so many people was like oh my gosh girl you are really you are serious and we got your back and Nashville now the the Nashville Business Journal calls it um Nashville's know that <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah so it was isn't that great, right? To get that kind of recognition after trying to, you know, navigate, you know, really some uncharted territory for you in that region. Yeah. Yes. yes. Okay. So so back to the double sided market. So you're trying to grow, uh, you know, the app user base because the businesses are going to want to have a user base to target. So they're not excited to get onto it until that happens. And then you also uh, have a bit of a challenge probably getting users on if there isn't a lot of other businesses on there. I know you're, the AI is, is also grabbing stuff from the internet. And so it's still very useful, even if there isn't any businesses targeting it, but you're, mm-hmm. you're still having to build both at the same time. You said you did try some things out and you've managed to figure out a way to overcome that challenge. 
do you mind sharing what was the solution to that? What did you come up with? How did, how were you able to do it? Uh, basically, building our own API of uh, businesses and going and pulling that information in, almost like a freemium model, and having that information readily available for the user, so that there's always something there for them to uh, consume. And then putting, moving the AI to the front of the app and giving them this experience of, you know, this is my, my AI that I can talk to. I can, uh, decide if I want the AI to be or a he, she, or they, um, you know, this AI is getting to know me. So we, we moved, uh, Savant to the forefront of the app where it was in the background. And so that is how we solved you know, the issue of not having the hot offers was the main thing, right? Not having enough hot offers on the platform um, um, all the time for the business, for the consumers to redeem. So just moving that recommendation system and, and making it more of a assistant that a, in conversational search is how we solved that. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I would liken that then to, you know, if, if only Netflix, I could, uh, you know, have somebody that I could, or like an assistant that I could just talk to. And instead of having that recommended for you, um, mm-hmm. it's actually, I can talk to that assistant and just explain to them what I'm wanting in this particular moment in time, and they'll surface what it is that I want. Right. And so you, it's going to be quite a, almost an intimate relationship that people are going to be developing with these assistants, right? Because mm-hmm. they really truly are going to help facilitate so much of the, of their purchase behavior, their activities, the recreational, everything, right. That's happening in that region in which they live. Yes. And it's basically the AI that you control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like building your own. That's why I was saying it's like having a super friend that knows just about everything, but only gives you what you want. <laughs> It's yeah. like building, creating that type of relationship. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Okay, so what's the goal then? Say in five years' time, where do you want NoDat to be? What, what is your goal? In five years' time, I would like for um, NoDat to allow consumers to have their own marketing ID that they can, like it's a number that, you know, Savant assigns to each user and this number, they can, you know, tap into their Apple TV when they travel or into their um, Bluetooth speakers when they travel so that they can have these recommendations with them wherever they go, where it's also connected to like Netflix knows what I like Mm -hmm. uh, because of my marketing ID and it's universal to me. So uh, it's not only, you know, just local search, um, but book recommendations, podcast recommendations. Yeah. Um, so that, that is the goal to create these unique marketing IDs that consumers control. Really cool. Okay. So then here's the tough question. How are you going to overcome the challenges that are in front of you for that? So, so what do you think are going to be the biggest hurdles to get to there and, and what's the solution that you got for it? Yeah, I think the biggest hurdle is the, um, like protecting the the data. Yeah. Um I think that's going to be um our biggest hurdle is finding the right technology um that would allow us to protect uh consumer data across multiple 
uh, like with these um, IDs, there is one company um, right now, a Web3 company that is working on um, creating um, IDs and uh, with, um, it's called anonymization. Um, I can't think of the name. Of it. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. Um, okay. But it anonymizes the consumer's data across multiple devices. And so um, just looking to see who and what type of technology we can, we will be have, we will have access to, to be able to pr- protect the consumer's data across multiple devices. I think that's going to be the biggest um, challenge that we've run into with creating these unique IDs. Now, I would also think that this is one of those things when we, we alluded to this earlier on in the sense that you're surrounded by some giants in the space of, you know, marketing and data mm-hmm. and, and, you know, really trying to, um, you know, collect and use and leverage people's data. And so as things change on that front, they're going to be looking at companies like you that are, are like, no doubt that has taken a different approach. Right. And if mm-hmm. they like what they see, uh, I mean, it could be an acquisition, I suppose, but it also could be uh, a risk there in terms of them just bulldozing into that space. It, do you see that as a big risk? And and if so, what what do you do to overcome something like that? Um, well, for one, it's going to have to be our uh, culture, our personality. Um, the fact, as long as we are transparent. Um, with our users and we build that loyalty with our users, um, maintain the fact that our users are in control. It, it would be really, really hard for platforms like that are the giants that we're talking about right now, like Google and Facebook and all of them to completely give up the control that they have, where we start by putting the control in the consumer's hands. So our goal is to build up that um, transparent relationship from the very beginning um, with our users to the point to where the loyalty is with us. And then also just protecting our trade secrets, keeping things on the low and not, like I said, we don't do a lot of marketing. Um, so, and I don't pitch to Google. I don't, I don't pitch to my, um, to my, uh, competitors who are in this space like a lot of my advisors will send me um emails like google is giving away a hundred thousand dollars i'm like mm, not ready not ready for them to even know what we're doing yet yeah. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> um so like just maintaining that relationship gaining enough of the market uh to where it would an acquisition would make more sense and i love peter till's book um zero to one. Mm. And I keep this in the forefront of my mind where he was going up against the credit card companies when he first created PayPal and he was faced with the same thing. Right. And his goal was to make the credit card companies, his customer. And so that is in the forefront of my mind. It's like, okay, how can we develop this to where either an acquisition only makes sense from one of these, um, one of these customers and we have in mind who we want to be acquired by um, and, or how can we make them our, a customer of ours? Yeah. So 
uh, obviously, as you're thinking about the acquisition being an acquisition target, then what, how, like, how does that, I guess, shape or uh, influence some of the decisions that you make as you're growing your business, as you're uh, developing the business? It, does that change your way of thinking at all? It does. Um, we we stay up to date on what the companies uh, that we are aiming for um, to be acquired by, and we make sure that we build for the problems that they have that that is hard for them to solve. That would make us an easy or a um, you know smart decision to partner with or to acquire um, or to even invest in, <clears throat> and so it does affect my decisions um, quite a bit to make sure that we are developing for, for that acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. Which is smart. All right. Like if uh, you want to be as appealing as possible, if that's one of the exit strategies that you have in mind. So mm -hmm. now if you could, you know, write your younger entrepreneurial self a letter and send that back in time. So back to 2017, when you first started the business, maybe, uh, what would you put in that letter to yourself? I would tell myself one, um, imposter syndrome is just that, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and to be confident and to walk in a room knowing that, you know, what you're talking about. Um, you know, that you deserve to be in this space, um, just like anybody else. And um, to to just go after it, I would also make sure that I have product market fit before I leave my job. Because that's one of the things that I did. I worked for, like I was saying, I worked for AT and T. Um, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, we had got to a lot of users on the platform and one of my advisors was like, it's time for you to leave. You got to leave your job. You got to do this full time. And I, I listened. Um, and I, we didn't have product market fit. Mm. You know, we had the cool idea of the video reviews, but after I left my job is when the businesses were basically like, this is a cool thing. Like we like it, but it's not solving our problem. And I, I would tell my younger self to to make sure that you have product market fit before, um, you know, completely jumping out there going full time. Make sure you have advisors. Having a support system is the main thing that any small business owner, startup owner uh, can do for themselves um, to make sure that they are successful. Yeah. Well, this is, is an perfect opportunity for me to just do a self plug we just actually developed a recipe book essentially on the first after interviewing the first 200 entrepreneurs on this show uh where we basically distilled all that knowledge down into a book and it's uh something that actually includes a chapter on advisors and the importance of it because that is one of the most common uh things that we heard you know, across those first 200 interviews that mm -hmm. we've done. So, um, yeah. So anybody who's interested in that, check out our uh, book. You, you're going to learn a lot about that as well as other things That's that cool. are going to really help you grow your business. 
Yeah. So anyway, th this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I love the fact that you're going up against the Giants and you've got found this this lane that is is somewhat untouched, right? You're you you fit into a sweet spot there, and so that product market fit obviously is here right now, and you're seeing some mm -hmm. success and signups mm -hmm. and everything else. Are you in Canada yet? Not yet. One of our advisors are, and they're going to help us <laughs> when we get there, but we are not in Canada yet. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, who want to check this out and you are in the U.S., what's the best way for them to find you? Nodatplace.com. Uh, so N-O-D-A-T place.com. And then the app is Nodat. And we're on Android and iOS. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Erica, and explaining your business as well as sharing with us some of your story as you have developed this business and continue to grow it. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. So for those of you who are listening to this episode and really enjoyed it, want to check out some other entrepreneurial stories and learn something from all of our past episodes, head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's where you're going to find our archive. And of course, subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform by just searching Amplify Your Business. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day.